morning, everyone. Hope you're doing well this morning. Please take out your sermon notes and turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. There's a Bible in front of you. If you'd like to follow along, uh, you can go to the New Testament and find Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Just continue to the right there for a couple more chapters or books, and you'll come to 1 Corinthians. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 this morning. We're taking a detour today from our journey through the powerful book of Mark. So today we're going to talk about uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Well, if you know what 1 Corinthians 13 is, it fits the season of Valentine's. I was talking to my daughter earlier uh, this week, and she was telling me that her husband had bought her uh, an orchid flower on Monday, I believe it was Monday. He brought it home, gave it to her, had a little red balloon on it and everything. And she thought that was very thoughtful. And she replied, oh, an early Valentine's present. And he stopped and was startled. Because then at that moment, he realized Friday was Valentine's. And he said, oh, no, I got to buy more flowers. Most of us consider Valentine's a day about love. I wonder if we really understand the extreme value that love plays in all our relationships, including marriage, our family, our home, uh, our church, the Christian life. Here's what Paul, Paul writes to the Corinth church there, and in this writing, he says, pretty much he says that without love, we are nothing. Let me say it this way. To live without love is not to live at all, what Paul is saying. Now, every person has a dominant value that directs our life. Some people, it is comfort. Comfort is a dominant value that... You want to be comfortable, you know? You go to the doctor, you go to the dentist, you want to be comfortable. It's a dominant value, what car you drive, the house you, where you live. For some people, it is pleasure, security. Some people, it's, you know, they just want to party. For some people, it's success or power. Uh, for others, it could be wealth. Uh, uh, the dominant life principle is the thing that drives them, that causes them to do what they do whatever that is. So I want to ask you this morning, what would be your dominant value that drives you in what you do? Here's what Paul says. Paul says this. He says, and he, says he tells us that our dominant value should be this. As he's writing to the Corinth church, he corrects them in several ways. Uh, in, in one area uh, uh, that he is correcting them in 1 Corinthians is their spiritual gift. Their aim was off with spiritual gifts. They had a wrong dominant value. They were pursuing something that was important, but, was some, but there was something of greater value connected with this. Well, Paul is giving instruction to them to a correct view of concerning the spiritual gifts. In chapter 12, we won't take time to read that, but it talks about the spiritual gifts, and then we go into chapter 14 also, there's instruction for spiritual gifts as well. And the Holy Spirit play, places between those two 
chapters, kind of a sandwich there, chapter 13, 1 Corinthians 13. So 1 Corinthians 13 is like Valentine's chapter. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, it's the faith chapter, and 1 Corinthians 15 you know, is the, the resurrection chapter, and Psalms 23 is about the good shepherd, you know. But here, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter of the Bible. So we notice, as we look into chapter 13, and I want you to notice as the, as the last verse of chapter 12 goes into chapter 13, I want to bring this out. So are you there at 13? So look at verse 31 of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. But earnestly desire the best gifts. They were aiming at the least of the spiritual gifts. And Paul is saying, aim, your aim is low. You need to raise your aim up. I'm going to show you something better, the excellent way. So Paul deals this. He goes this into chapter 14, and he addresses their incorrect view of, of the least of the spiritual gifts, which is, um, and he was addressing to this, that they had a problem or uh, speaking in tongues, and there was a, there was a cor- incorrect view of how that was addressed. But Paul says, "Yet I show you a more excellent way." Now, the New Living Translation says, "So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts." And then it says, "But now let me show you a way that of life that is best of all." Now, let's make sure we understand the context here. Spiritual gifts is the subject, all right? The manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit, God working in a miraculous way, a supernatural way. Uh, Joe talked about that, you know, that, that even in, there's, a, there's a gift of giving, generosity gift that God gives a person that they just, God blesses them that they can give, and that's a supernatural gift. That's powerful. God working in a miraculous way through the Holy Spirit in a believer. Paul is saying this is good, but here is something even better. And it's the icing on the cake that he's going to speak to us. A most excellent way, the best of all. And it's love, that agape love. Love, as we find it in chapter 13, 1 Corinthians, we won't take time to read, but if you've never read this chapter, you got to read this chapter. It's a great uh, demonstration of what agape love, that uh, personal sacrificial love, thinking of, of others before ourselves. It's a great chapter of, of love. But I want you also to look at, at the end of chapter 13. It says, but the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, charity, but the greatest of these is love. And then look at how it transitions into chapter 14. It said, pursue love. Chase love, seek after love, follow after love. The message puts, puts it this way. Go after a life of love as if your life depends upon it because it does depend upon it. 1 Corinthians 14, another translation says, says, make love your greatest aim, your greatest aim. We're to make love our greatest aim. Apostle Paul tells us exactly how important the priority of love is. If you're a Christian and you know the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to talk about this life principle, the dominant theme that should be in our life, the the aim of our life. 
My life ought to be, if we're going to be pleasing to God, to have this love up as the aim in our life because it is a absolutely indispensable if we are to be what God wants us to be that has to be there. Love is to be the greatest aim. And I want to give you this morning five reasons to make love our greatest aim. There are five, and so I'm going to go through them quickly so we'll get out uh, at our normal time. Five reasons to make love our greatest aim. I want you to think about this. Paul goes in, he writes in 1 Corinthians 13, sandwiched between talking the subject about spiritual gift, he says, I want to show you a more excellent way. And he goes on to say, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a a clanging cymbal. Paul is saying here, without love, verse 1, all I say is ineffective. Without love, all I say is ineffective. Paul is saying that without love, all I am is just a noise that signifies nothing. My words, no matter how beautiful, they can be in the language of angels. They can be the most eloquent speech of man that could ever put together. Without love, they are empty and they are without effect. All that is to say, it is ineffective without love. You know, we can be impressed by communicators. You know, we may see somebody on television or a political figure, you know, and they speak well. No matter how eloquent or no matter how brilliant it may be, all I say as a Christian is ineffective without love. It means I am am to be a witness, but if I do it without love, If I am sharing Jesus Christ with another individual and there's love is not present, it's going to be an empty witness. It's going to be in vain. It has to have as his motivation the love of Jesus Christ. Paul said at the church at Corinth, you are majoring on the minors if you are majoring on gifts. So you ought to be majoring on the love of God, this agape love found in 1 Corinthians 13. True love is what this world needs most of all. When we speak, we want our speaking to come from a heart filled with the love of God, people responding to loving words, and they reject unloving words. So how you say something is so important, not just what you say, but the love that is behind what you say. This love is important priority for a Christian because without it, all I say is ineffective. This is what Paul, this is the, he's, he's given us the value of what love means, this agape love. And so in verse 2, it, uh, uh, verse, uh, two it says, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so I can remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Paul is saying all these things without love, your knowledge is incomplete. Listen, you can be very intelligent. You can be uh, one that has gone through college and has degrees so, uh, that, that uh, you know, so many uh, certificates on the wall. But it doesn't matter without love. You are nothing. 
You may be a genius. You may be a, a walking Bible. You may be brilliant. You can memorize uh, the entire Bible. You may split a theological hair 15 different ways, but unless you have love, unless it is motivated by, by love, unless it is knowledge tempered with the love coming from a heart of love, he said, you are incomplete. Now, this doesn't mean that we're not to be dummies and not study the Bible. We are to study the Bible. We are to grow in our knowledge. And we are to be as leaders, readers, and constantly learning. But Paul is saying knowledge is only relevant when it is immersed in love. Paul says again, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so I can remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. So love, without love, all I know is incomplete. And without love, all I believe or faith is insufficient. And faith is very important. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, as Paul says in, in that great chapter of, of Hebrews uh, 11. But it is possible to be a believer, believe in God, and believe all the things about his word, and believe the Bible totally and completely, and not have love. Listen, do you think the devil loves, or do you think the devil knows some things about the Bible? Absolutely. I think the devil would be one of the greatest preachers if he could just get his life turned around, <laughs> which is impossible. Because he has a vast knowledge of the Scripture. When he was trying to tempt Jesus, he came to Jesus and said to Jesus, some verses to Jesus. He threw them at Jesus' feet. And Jesus knew he was twisting Scripture. Listen. To have a belief of the Bible, you know, there is nothing. Uh, there is nothing. Uh, there's not anything much harsher than a person who believes the entire Bible, but he practices it without love. Listen, this is this is good. He becomes self-righteous because he says, "I believe," and others don't believe. He becomes judgmental because as he looks at other people's life, he believes he is better. And one of the ways to tell if you have a faith without love is your attitude towards people. You become judgmental towards others. You become non-accepting of others because of their lifestyle. You lose your zeal to reach people for Christ. And you share your faith with those who are without Christ because you look down on them because they don't measure up to your standard of living. That is what the Bible is talking about when it says, if I have faith that I could move mountains, but I don't have love, it is insufficient. It is nothing. Now, in this passage of Scripture, it isn't the issue of love versus gifts. Paul is emphasizing the focus and the goal of the gifts is love. That the gifts are to, to manifest love through the operation of these gifts. Number four, without love, all I give is, is insignificant. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though gave my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. You've heard the saying, you know, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And if you love, you will give. But some people give for different reasons. They, they give for power. Some people give to certain causes so that they can control. 
Some parents give to their children so they can control those children. Some people give for prestige to have their name written, maybe on a college or a hospital. They give because they want to be recognized for their giving. Some people give for selfish reasons. They give so that something can come to them. They give hoping to get something in return. The Bible says the only way God will bless our giving is if we give from a heart of love. Without love, all I give is insignificant. You can fill that offering plate with all the money from your bank accounts, but if you don't give it with love, it's insignificant. That's powerful. Let's look at one more thing here. And he says at the end of that verse, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Without love, all I accomplish is inadequate. Life minus love equals zero. He says it over and over again through the scripture. This is the kind of love that we want to share with people. This is the atmosphere that we want people to know and experience when they walk in through those doors. It's the kind of love you can feel in a genuine, heartfelt welcome and a handshake or a hug. The kind of love that expressed by a genuine smile on the face. The kind of love that expressed in our worship team when they sing from the heart about our greatness of our God and his ability to change our life. It's the kind of love that gives hope and lifts the spirit and lifts the heart. Without love, all I can accomplish is inadequate. Almost 30 years ago, Cindy and I started our first church. First time as a pastor, we, we started a church with no, knowing no one in a little place called Snohomish. It's almost similar to Somas, Snohomish, Washington. And we started out just right out of the, the gate there. We wrestled with How are we going to minister to people? How are we going to reach people for Jesus Christ? How are we going to minister to people? And and I tell you that there was a lot of trial and error, and there's still growth that happens in our life. Here's a thing that happened about 30 years ago. After studying the scripture, we'd be convinced that loving God and loving people was to be a top shelf thing. We became convinced of this, that all the areas that we could excel in and everything that we could do as followers of Jesus Christ, as servants of Jesus Christ, as as ministering to people, that we were to excel in love and loving others, one that we wanted to be uh, most excellent in. You see, we, we got this from studying the Scripture, so we became convinced because of 1 Corinthians 13 says that in all the way we do, in all our performance, if I don't serve, serve others in the context of love, it is nothing. And then we read in Matthew chapter 22 when a man asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, All your soul and all your mind, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbors as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Love is the best way of all because it fulfills the entire Torah. 
the first five books of the, of the Old Testament, the laws of God, God's righteousness being played out, if we can get a hold of loving God and loving our others like ourselves. And we also read in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 14, which Paul writes to the, the Christians at Galatia, says, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then we looked at Romans 13, 8, owe no man, owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. And then James 2.8, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. Through the reading of the scripture, we became convinced that we were to aim at loving others as the highest goal in doing ministry. We wanted to excel in love. And I thought about this. You know, this is one of the areas that the world can't excel in because this is, this is called agape love. It's a love that only comes from God. It's a sacrificial love. It comes from the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. The love is the Spirit of Jesus Christ manifested through our attitudes and our actions. You see, the world can gain knowledge and excel in understanding the knowledge of things. The world can make great sacrifices and be generous. We can see that around us. The world can perform in excellence and accomplish great things. And the world can communicate well, but we're not in competition with the world in those areas. We can do something that the world cannot do or know anything about that. It sets the follower of Jesus apart from the world. Jesus said this, and he said this, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Letting agape love flow through us sets the world of Jesus apart from all the religions of the world. No one loves others like the children of God. One of the America's most popular TV shows over the last few years uh, called American Idol. And one of, the, uh, one of the shows, past shows, it featured a young lady named Mandisa Hundley. Some of you recognize Mandisa. Mandisa is, is a heavyset woman, and Simon had made a sarcastic remark upon seeing her, question, her questioning. And he, and he said this, he said, do we have a bigger stage this year? As he viewed Mandisa. Well, when she entered the room to learn the judge's verdict of whether she would go on to the next round or be cut, Mandisa looked right at Simon and addressed him. He says, Simon, a lot of people want to say a lot of things to you. Excuse me. Simon, a lot of people want me to say a lot of things to you. But this is what I want to say. Yes, you hurt me. And I cried and was painful. It really was. But I want you to know that I have forgiven you and that you don't need someone to apologize in order to forgive somebody. And I figured that if Jesus could die so that all my wrongs could be forgiven, I, am cert I can certainly extend that same grace to you I just want you to know that. Randy said, amen. Simon apologized and hugged the senior, and Mandisa discovered she had been selected to advance into the next round. Mandisa is an American gospel contemporary Christian artist 
Her career began as a contestant in the fifth season of American Idol, in which she finished in ninth place. Somewhere, maybe from a parent, maybe from a Sunday school teacher, maybe from a friend or reading her Bible or or a pastor, Mandisa heard what Jesus Christ has to say about what true love is all about. Our world needs more Mandisas who will practice such a Christ-like love in the midst of a persecuting world. It'll make us stand apart. My challenge to you today is do everything in the context of love. Let it be that highest place. Let's make our dominant value in all that we do. When we go to work on Monday morning, you know, have great worth ethics. You know, show up on time. Do what you're supposed to do and get your job done, all those things. But listen, let loving others be your highest aim through all that is what Paul is saying. He's not addressing this just to the church environment or the church atmosphere. Let our whole life in every area of our life, let love be the highest aim above all dominant values. When we go to school, be zealous in your studies, but loving others be your highest score. When we're making dinner, let others be the most, uh, let loving others be the most tasty dishes that you serve. Whatever you're involved in, in our hobbies, our chill time, let loving others dominate above all else in setting our goals for Let your aim rise to what God says is top shelf. Agape, love others, even if it means a sacrifice. My daughter told me the story about her husband bringing those flowers. And I get a text this morning of the same son-in-law who a year ago was out on the beach with his family and there was a guy stuck in the sand. And he went over to the guy and they talked and he took time to pull this individual out of the sand there on the beach and uh, and was able to to get him going. And then uh, there was a time or two that he would meet each other at a restaurant or something and the guy would thank him. And then one day he invited him to church. Well, Justin went by this morning and picked this individual up to bring him to church, and then they're going to go out to eat for lunch today after the service today. Here's what I'm saying. When we have this love of God driving and being the highest motivation, you'll be amazed how God will work in your life. Those gifts that God's given, and every one of us God has given. If you are a believer, God has given you a gift of the Holy Spirit. But let love be working and manifesting itself through those gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 talks about the speaking of tongues. And one of the things is that in the speaking of the tongues, that they would never to speak in public the speaking of tongues without an interpretation because it was something that was to be known. I mean, there was, it, would, it would be confusing and it, would be, uh, it wouldn't be uh, uh, helpful to the individual. But love drives that. 
where we do things through the Holy Spirit that causes people to be uplifted and elevated. Love does that with all our gifts. So do everything in the context of love. Let's bow our heads in prayer. When people we meet wherever they may be and we have this love as the highest aim in all our relationships and all we do. Powerful things happen. Oh, you can be very gifted in many areas of life and that's good. But love propels us to an excellent higher road. Father, I thank you for your goodness in our life. I thank you for working in us and through us in a very powerful way. And God, we ask that you just help us first as individuals that we would have this kind of love. And if God, if there is someone here that does not know this love that we're talking, the love of God, the love of Christ that that was uh, that is demonstrated on the cross, that we would embrace that, we'd accept that even right now. And for those who have accepted Jesus Christ and, and have accepted that, that sacrifice on the cross, God, help us to have, have the love of God working in us and through us uh, daily in all areas of our life. And when people walk away, they will know that they have experienced your love through our attitudes and our actions towards them. And Father, help us, Lord, as a church to have such a church that will have a a testimony of all the things that we do that If you want to go to a place and meet a family, meet a church that knows how to love, then you come to Somos Community Church and you will experience the love of God. Help us to have that love. Help us to continue in that love. Help us not to lose that first love. God, we ask that for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.